listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. You guys ever been stressed before? (laughs) Stress. Everybody experiences stress. They just may experience it differently or different things cause different people to be stressed out in in different ways. But there's certainly something that all of us can relate to, something that, that all of us experience stress in, and that is when you don't know what to do. When you're, when you're in a hard season or maybe even just a bad day or a bad situation and you don't know how to handle it. Like, like how many of us with our, our hand on our forehead or with a sigh or, with, or like in a more tense situation with a tear streaming down our face, I've said, I just, I, I just don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to handle this. There's much, I don't know if there's much more stressful things in life than just feeling clueless, than, than not knowing which way to handle a decision or, or which direction you should take a choice. It can be overwhelmingly stressful. Maybe it's in your parenting and, and your Kiddo who's, you know, maybe he's 20 now, like they're, they're not becoming the person you hoped they would be. And so you feel like you've got some decisions to make and the conversation that you have with them. Maybe you're, maybe you're single and you, you feel stuck in singleness and you're, you're just kind of clueless on like what to do about it because you, your heart desires to, to be married, but, but God doesn't seem to have provided it. So you just, you feel kind of clueless. <clears throat> or, or maybe... Maybe you're, you're in a dating relationship, but it's, it's hitting a rough patch and, and you're not sure which way to go. Or maybe you're, you're looking to hire somebody and you've been interviewing them and you just, you just feel kind of stuck. I'm like, oh, how do I handle this? Or maybe you've had someone on your team and, and it's actually not working out and you're like, man, gosh, we hate to let them go, but I, I just don't know what to do. Stress you out. Maybe it's a tough conversation you've got to have with a friend because and they're, they're making some, some decisions that they're living their life. And maybe they're saying some things that are just are questionable for their character as a follower of Jesus. And so you're like, oh man, fuck, I, I need to lean in. I need, I need to say something, but I, I just don't know what that, that looks like. But I add to that just that, or I think what makes that so stressful is you feel like the decision you make today, the choice you make today, you, you know it affects tomorrow. We can often feel like it sets the trajectory of our lives. Like whatever decision this is, maybe it's not the biggest decision of my life, but it feels like this decision helps push me one way or the other. So if, if I go this direction, I think it'll work out really well. If I, if I go this direction, I, I don't know. And then add to that as believers, the, the and I think it's appropriate that the pressure, the, the responsibility we feel to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to the Lord that makes decisions even, even more stressful. That this lack of, of, of knowing what to do, this, this lack of not sure which decision, which way would be most pleasing to the Lord. The Bible has a phrase for that. It's called 
a lack of wisdom. A lack of wisdom. You could define wisdom this way. A lot of biblical scholars define it this way. It's the ability to live a life pleasing and successful in the Lord's sight. So from a biblical perspective, wisdom is not just how to, how to all I do is win, 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 like every day just crush it. No, it's from a biblical perspective, it's how do I live a life that is pleasing to the Lord? That, that is successful, yes, but successful, more importantly, in, in the Lord's eyes. Wisdom is that ability, that insight to do that, it's to, the ability to apply what you know to everyday life and then live it out. But so often wisdom feels distant, doesn't it? So, so often in those hard times, wisdom, knowing what will please God and knowing which direction you should go, knowing the choice you should make can feel difficult and hard and, and far. So what should you do? What, what should the believer, what should the follower of Jesus do when they need wisdom? What should we do when we're not sure of, of the choice that we should make? Last week, we started in, in the book of James. If you have your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn there if you're not already there. But we saw from, from James 1 that James comes right out of the gate talking about how difficult life can be. But there's various trials, various hardships that we face. And it's interesting, a lot of different scholars believe that James may be, it's certainly one of the earliest New Testament books written and, and kind of published, so to speak, to the church. But it may even be the earliest church. Isn't it interesting that one of the first books recorded in the New Testament, the author just comes right out of the gate saying, hey, life is going to be hard sometimes. And isn't it so true that often hard times, trials, they either produce the need for wisdom or, or they just go hand in hand. Like you're in the, you're in the hardship and it's like, man, I, I just, I, I, I need wisdom. Well, rather than ignoring difficult issues, the Bible leans right into the realities and the difficulties of life. And he's gonna, James is going to tell us, the, the kid brother of Jesus, what do you do when you need wisdom? What do you do when you just don't know what to do? James 1, verse 5, he says, Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. What a great verse. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm going to read it again. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. Here's our first point. What should you do when you need wisdom, when you don't know what to do? Go to the one who loves to give. Go to the one who loves to give. Ask God. It's simple, but we so often don't do it. When, when you are lacking wisdom, when you want to know how to live a life that is pleasing and successful in his eyes, you want to make the right choice, you go to the one who loves to give. Now, now man, such a simple verse, but so much beautiful truth. If any of you lacks wisdom, man, I think it's often to come to church and feel like God's talking to those people, like whoever those people are. But he says, if any of you, Anybody in this room on September 11th, 2022, if anyone needs wisdom, this is for you. 
Can we just get a show of hands? Does anybody need wisdom today? I, me. Yeah, wow. Yeah. All of us need wisdom. This is not just for, you know, if you are a preacher, you need some wisdom. No, this is not just for uh, if you are a mature uh, elderly person. You've been walking with the Lord and you need wisdom. This is not just for your Sunday school teacher. No, this is not just for your boss. If any of you, elementary school, preteen, middle school, high school, college, young adult, senior adult, if any of you needs wisdom, not just the, the spiritually mature, if any of you needs wisdom, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Ask is in, in present tense there. So it, it means the invitation is not just to like one time and then move on. You can ask as much as you want. Like just keep on asking. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. And how does he describe God? Who gives to all. He gives to all. So listen, whether you feel like you deserve the wisdom or not, like I haven't been living life really well, like whether you feel like you deserve it or not, the follower of Jesus Christ, if you ask him, he loves to give to anyone and and everyone. It says it will be given to him. It will be. So he doesn't necessarily say how he'll give you the wisdom. It doesn't say how he'll give you the insight of how you should live and what you should say to that person or when you should say it to that person, but he will give it to you. He'll just give it. Now, two super awesome words here in describing God and, and how he gives. He says he gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. So to give generously is to give more than is necessary, deserved, or expected. Don't you love it when someone is generous to you? Like, don't you love it when you go to the restaurant and they're generous with their food? (laughs) You get more than maybe you expected to get. Being generous, that's just the nature of God. Gerald Hughes, he's a biblical scholar. I love what he, he says about the, the ministry of Jesus. So he points to the ministry of Jesus as evidence, as, as an example of how generous God is. Listen, it says, he says, we see the generosity of God over and over again in the ministry of Jesus. We see it in the crazy prodigality of a God who leaves 99 sheep to go in search of one lost sheep. We see in the financial imprudence involved in forgiving a debtor who owed 10,000 talents. And we see it when he pays a full day's pay to those who were last minute workers. The miracles of Jesus demonstrate the same generosity. The 180 gallons of excellent quality wine produced at the wedding in Cana seems an unnecessarily large quantity, especially at the tail end of the feast. And to feed 5,000 and have 12 baskets full of food left over seems a bit extravagant. The Father is presented as a God of overflowing goodness, one whose desire is to share what he has with as many as possible. That's why Jesus in Matthew 7, 11 said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God loves to give. Romans 8, 
Paul's looking at the goodness of God. And he says, if God gave us Jesus, like God the Son, Jesus came and died for us on the cross, won't he give us everything we need? Like, can't we rest assured and trust and know that he sees our need? And clearly, God loves to give. If you're not sure, does God love to give? Does he want to meet my need? Look to the cross. You don't have to look any further. God is a generous God. And he wants to give wisdom. But notice that other word, it's, he's, gives generously and ungrudgingly. I, I love that idea of ungrudgingly. So when you come to him for wisdom, he doesn't mock you. He, he's not expressing disapproval or disappointment like, oh, there's old Hayes again asking for wisdom. Gosh, when is Brandon going to figure life out? <laughs> like, there's old O'Hare again. Man, you'd think by now he'd have some wisdom. You'd, no. He doesn't mock you. He doesn't express disapproval of like, how many times do I have to tell this guy? No, he, he invites you to come gain wisdom. See, a, a trial is not the time to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and all right, time for me to show God how smart I am. I've really been studying the Bible. I'm gonna show him how wise I am. I'm gonna show him what's up. No, a trial is a time to come to God and say, Lord, I need your wisdom. See, he's not expecting you to come to him having it all figured out. He wants you to come to him knowing that he has it all figured out, that there's not some master plan. Know that the master is the plan so you can come to him for wisdom. He's generous. He gives ungrudgingly. He loves to give. He loves to give you insight into how you should live your life. There's, there's a park near our house. I won't, I won't throw people under the bus. There's a park near our house. I think it's one of the most beautiful parks in Lubbock. It's not our neighborhood. It's just close to our neighborhood. I think it's one of the most beautiful parks in Lubbock. <laughs> but, but all around the park, they have no, these big neon no trespassing signs. If you live there, no offense. I'm just, it's just a metaphor, okay? <laughs> And every time Laura and I take the kids on a walk and we go by this neighborhood and go by this park, I just can't help but laugh because it's this, this big, beautiful park. And often, no one is there enjoying it <laughs> because keep off the grass. I think, unfortunately, that's all too often kind of how, how we view our relationship with God, that God is good and, and infinite in his goodness, but that he's kind of like, hey, you know what? You, you stay over there. Like, this is mine, and I don't want you to mess it up. You know, that could not be further from the truth of how God is portrayed in Scripture. God rips up the no trespassing signs and says, I want you to come and enjoy my goodness, my mercy and grace, my generosity, and just come hang out as long as you want. Come, come be in my presence as long as you want because I love for you to experience my goodness. He's not stingy. He doesn't hold it back. No, he is overflowing with his love and generosity and his goodness toward you. And if that doesn't really like click for you, and I think about, we're only what, uh, I guess uh, getting close to two months away from Thanksgiving, not that I'm looking forward to it or anything, but man, isn't it, one of the best things about Thanksgiving is uh, if you're you know, at your, your grandparents' house or whatever, and I, I think of, I, even as a college student, I remember being at my grandma's house and she just, she just wouldn't stop giving you food. I remember one year, this actually wasn't Thanksgiving, but one year uh, she had made this massive, we were up visiting her in South Carolina and she made this massive breakfast casserole. It was so delicious. And then at lunch, it was a lunch casserole, just 
super healthy, not really, but just like so tasty. And then we had this massive dinner and like she just keeps bringing the food. And finally she comes out, it's like eight o'clock at night and we're all sitting around and she's like, Lauren and I weren't married yet. We were just dating, but she's up there visiting with us. And so it was a great first impression for her. But uh, she comes out by eight o'clock and my nana's like, all right, I've got some carrot cake. Who wants some? And we are kind of like, oh, Nana, we're, it's been just overflowing, so much good food. We can't do anymore. And she's like, straight face as she can be. She's like, well, it's no problem. I shredded the carrots by hand, but it's fine. Like, like whoa, okay, I'll take the cake. But, but she, she just kept coming with, with it. I would say with all things, but particularly because here we are in James 1 with God's offer of wisdom, that's a picture of his generosity and his wisdom with his wisdom. He, he longs to give it to you. So, ask. <laughs> Just ask. And trust and ask again. And, and I would tell you, just so you know, so often as you ask God for wisdom, he gives it to you as you read the word. So it's hard to love the Bible and it's hard to live out a wise life if you're just not reading it. You read it, you learn to love it, and you'll live it out. He gives you wisdom so many times through his word. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, kind of like I feel like when I sometimes am reading through James 1, like, okay, well, I've asked God and it doesn't feel like He's giving it to me. It doesn't, I don't sense that he's, he's bestowing this wisdom to me. I love what scholar Sam Alberry says about that. He says, James is not saying that the moment we come to God, earnestly seeking his wisdom and guidance, we will experience a sudden flash of insight and feel as though we now know exactly what we need to do. Now, question. Can that happen? Does that happen sometimes? For sure. I think there are sometimes you're talking, excuse me, you're talking to the Lord, asking for wisdom. And in that moment, you're like, oh my goodness, that, wow, God's giving me insight. But I would say that's the exception. For, for, for me, speaking for me, like, that, that doesn't, that happens pretty rarely. However, there's a difference between receiving wisdom and feeling wise. See, verse five is a promise. You ask and he will give it. So if you go to God and, and ask for wisdom and you're like, I'm gonna sit here until I feel wise. You may be sitting there for a long time, right? You get to work late, like, listen, boss, I was praying for wisdom and I didn't wanna leave till I got some wisdom. Did you get some wisdom? Nope, I'm just late now. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if that's a great idea. Nothing wrong with sitting till you feel wise, but that's, he doesn't promise you're gonna feel wise. He promises he'll give it. And isn't that what the, the life of faith is? Is like, whether I feel it or not, God, I've asked for wisdom. I'm gonna trust that at some point, whether you've given it to me now or I just don't, and I just don't know it, or, or later in the conversation, you're gonna give me the wisdom in the moment. I trust that you give wisdom. So I'm gonna now go in faith. Go to the one who loves to give. Now, for all his goodness, for all his generosity, there is one little stipulation that he gives for his giving of wisdom. <clears throat> and it's in verse six. 
He says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Here's our, our second point. Really simple. Stand firm on the one who loves to give. What should you do when you need wisdom? What should you do when you, when you don't know what to do? You stand firm on the one who loves to give. You, you believe God. You trust God and his goodness. You're trusting that, yes, he, he is a generous, ungrudging God. The cross is proof of that. Uh, he does care about his glory and my good, so I can go to him. I can trust him. I can ask in. Notice he says, ask in faith. So small but important word. He doesn't say ask with faith, like it's a transaction, like, all right, God, showing up with my faith, booyah. Booyah, I don't know, I don't know where that came from. Like, Here it is, here's my faith, now you give me some wisdom. No, it's not a transaction. No, it's, it's uh, Lord, I'm coming in a posture of faith. I, I believe you, I, I trust you, I, I have faith that you are a good God and that you delight in, in giving me wisdom. I, and I have faith that you know what is wise, that you are all-knowing, that you are the wise one. So he says, ask in faith without doubting. So I think ask in faith, saying that in a positive sense, without doubting, kind of, kind of a negative sense, but, but they help. Ask in faith gives clarity to without doubting. What James is not saying is this. He is not saying when you ask God for wisdom, when you ask him for direction, when you ask him for clarity in your life and how to live a life that is pleasing in his sight and successful in his sight and to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in him. When you ask him for that, he's not saying that if a little doubt crosses it, runs across your mind, like, oh man, I hope the Lord comes through. He's not saying if that runs across your mind, nope, that God's like, nope, I saw that. I caught you. You doubted. I'm out. No, that's no. When you ask in faith, without doubting. It's similar idea to in earlier what we saw in James of consider it a great joy. Remember, it's not a, James wasn't telling you how to feel. Feel joyful in hard times. No, he's telling you how to think. It's an action. Choose joy when life is hard. Similarly, here James is saying, when you go to God and pray, when you're asking for wisdom, you're choosing to have faith in him. That regardless of how I may feel in the moment, regardless of the hesitation in my spirit, or regardless of maybe the negative thoughts that run across my mind, I'm choosing to have faith in God. Does that make sense? All of us are gonna have doubts sometimes. You can't necessarily control the, uh, to quote Martin Luther, you can't control like one bird flying across your, the top of your head, but you can, you can keep them from building a nest up in your hair, right? It's the similar idea. I'm choosing. Yes, I may have doubts occasionally, but God, I'm coming to you in faith. I'm choosing to believe that you are a generous God who delights in giving me wisdom, who loves to give me wisdom. And what's the danger of asking in doubt and not asking in faith? What's the danger of not making up your mind to trust God? What's the danger of not choosing to be confident in God? He says is this, 
For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. See, when you, when you are, I, I'm not sure if I trust God, so I, I don't know. I mean, can I ask him for God? I mean, can I ask him for wisdom? When you've not chosen to be confident in God, then your life is like the sea that's tossed about, meaning it's constantly fluctuating. Your emotions have control of you. So rather than being steady and stable and calm, instead, instead your, your emotions, your decisions are always vacillating. The, the direction of your life is always <laughs> zigzagging because you've not chosen to stand firm in your faith and your trust in God. So one minute you're like, God, I believe you. But the next minute you're like, I don't think I believe God. I'm going to listen to what these people have to say. Or I'm going to listen to what my emotions are telling me because I'm not sure I can trust God. So, so your life is, is tossed about. Your emotions make a wreck of you. He says, that person, the person who, who doubts, who doesn't decide to just stand firm on God, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So because you're always shifting, you're never solid, you're always easily manipulated, you shouldn't be surprised that the Lord's not not giving you wisdom because you've not decided, yes, God, I'm going to trust you. Instead, it's like, well, God, I don't know if you're good or not, so I'm going to kind of have one foot out in the world and like relying on myself and, and maybe one foot kind of trusting in you. Like God wants you to be as sincere about receiving wisdom from him as he is sincere about giving you wisdom, right? If you're like, well, I don't know if I can trust God. Like why, why should he give you wisdom? No, he, he delights in giving wisdom to the person who says, God, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what my emotions are telling me or what my friends are telling me, I, 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 what culture is telling me, I'm going to trust you. It says that the person who doubts, they're double-minded, they're unstable in all his ways. It's this picture, I keep wanting to do it, but finally getting to it. It's this picture of they've got one foot maybe trusting the Lord and, and one foot out here, I don't know if I can trust God. And, and that's, it's unstable. So it's, I, I, God, I, I think you're good, but, but I don't know, m- m- maybe Maybe what the world is telling me is better. Or maybe I, maybe I should trust myself. This is an invitation to quit. <laughs> it's an invitation to come and intentionally choose to plant both feet solidly on who God is. It's, a, it's an invitation to stand firm on Christ, knowing that he is, he is a firm foundation, that you can trust him, that he is generous, that he is good, that he is kind, that he is wise, that he loved you to the point of death on a cross, even though you and me were evil, sinful to the core. God, I'm going to choose to trust you. I'm going to stand firm on who scripture says you are. What a cool invitation. God's not beating us up with these verses. Just ask, come on, quit doubting. No, it's, if you need wisdom, come and ask. And, and when you ask, stand firm. Believe me, trust me.
Go to the one who loves to give. Stand firm on the one who loves to give. Lauren and I and our kiddos have made some friends uh, from their new school, and they're, they're from Egypt, uh, they're, they're, but the parents are at Tech right now, but um, their daughter is in Haddon's uh, pre-K class, and we got to have them come over last Friday night. It was fun to get to know them a little bit. But as we were talking about just what it was like and, and having family back in Egypt and things like that, uh, they told us about one story where uh, the husband was, was here in the States, still at Tech, but the wife had uh, gone home to see family in Egypt, and uh, their daughter at the time was a little, yes than a, a little less than a year old, but uh, took her to Egypt, and they flew back to the States together, just the daughter and this little girl, a little less than one year old. And she, the mom was talking about how, uh, how just awesome and non-stressful it was to fly with a one-year-old. <laughs> Not really, no. She was, she was laughing about how, man, it was just flying with a one-year-old all the way from Egypt to Lubbock. Uh, which, last I checked, there's no direct flights from Cairo to Lubbock. <laughs> but um, she was about how, how terribly stressful it was, how tired she was. And she was laughing, saying that, and, and her husband was laughing too, that when uh, she got to the airport in Lubbock, that the husband was there uh, with, with gifts and balloons and so excited to see everything. But she literally walked up, gave her the little girl, and kept walking. Okay, sorry, gave him... <laughs> Gave him the little girl and kept walking. Like just didn't want any part of it. Wanted to go straight to bed. Well, she said the next morning she woke up and was like, where did all these balloons, and where did they come? Like, where did all this come from? And he was like, yeah, I gave that to you yesterday. <laughs> and so they laughed about it. She was just so exhausted and so stressed. She totally missed, like he had done some really nice things for her, which was well-deserved after flying from Cairo to Lubbock with a one-year-old. But I, I thought I, it's kind of a, a picture, I think, for applying this text that I think so often, like how, how sad this is true, how sad is that so often God is standing there offering wisdom. Like he, he's delighted, he's excited to give his wisdom. But for whatever reason, maybe we're, we're just distracted or stressed or tired and we just walk like, right past the moment after moment, day after day. We just are kind of doing our thing, like trying to figure out life on our own. The whole time he's standing there saying, hey, I, I, I have something for you. I, I, I want to give you wisdom. Like, I, have, I have a lot of it. Like, I have all of it. I, I want to give you wisdom. I, I believe for so many of us this morning right here, God is saying, don't miss what's right in front of you. He wants to give you wisdom. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 